Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation presenting Succession Recaps. We are discussing the HBO hit series because shit-talking billionaires is America's favorite pastime. You'll still get regular episodes of Fake the Nation on Thursdays, but on Mondays for the next several weeks, we will be doing this bonus Succession Recap pod. And joining me to talk about all things Succession is the wonderful artist and filmmaker, Danielle Derschlag, who is also a resident wealth expert. Hey, Danielle. Hey, Nagin. How's it going? Did you spend the last week walking around, you know, in a menacing fashion on any floors? I'm just curious. <laughs> I um, I got I have to be honest. I spent um, a little bit of time of this last week because I was a little under the weather, not to brag. And oh, how you um, feel it now? I know I'm feeling totally fine, but I had a few. I had some under the weather. Um, like two to four hours of like being able to lie down, um, which as a parent is just, it felt like uh, luxury. It felt like being on my own <laughs> private jet is what that felt like. And in those, and what I would do is basically turn on episodes of Succession and then fall asleep to them. So um, so I feel, so Succession has been in my, my dreams and in my head and in my naps. And it sounds like it's been soothing you, which you don't always hear. <laughs> 
It's really not a soothing show, yeah. um, but it's but it's so interesting. So before we get in, I'm going to do a quick summary, but I just I want to start with your just quick thoughts, your general thoughts of this episode. I loved this episode. The way that it just one quick thought is like the way that it, we started in, in the light. Right, we're in daytime. Yeah, the, ki- the kids might still slightly be individuating, so we still have the light on their faces. As they make the choices they make, which you'll go over, it descended visually into darkness for the rest of the episode, and I was there for it. How about you? Yes, I. It was. Um, it was like an emotionally poignant episode. But, yes, uh, but in the way that all the characters are like, sort of, I, I, you know, you're talking about the light. I would like to talk about sweatiness levels on everyone oh. and dishevelment levels. I felt mm. like everyone is just so much more disheveled. It's like as we're having to deal with actual emotions, as we're having to deal with an actual divorce, as we're having to deal with with just just utter discomfort at every level, no one looked good. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? I would say literally and figuratively. That yes, is correct. Exactly. No one this no one wore emotions well. And right. it was really it was such a it was such a fun um episode to get into. So let me start the uh let me just do a quick summary here. Here, so we know what we're talking about. Um, at the top of the episode, Logan makes a surprise trip to ATN where he terrifyingly moseys through cubicles. As Tom says that he's hanging around like the threat of nuclear war. He gives an impromptu speech to the employees, a sort of rallying of the troops the way only Mussolini would do it, ending with, <laughs> you're fucking pirates. Uh, which, I mean, I don't know about you, Danielle, but that would certainly get me going. But the oh, most- certainly going out of the building, <laughs> fleeing for my life. That's right. <laughs> Exactly. But the most ridiculous of subplots of the entire episode, which we will get into, is that Carrie, Logan's dark-haired mistress slash assistant, wants to be on TV, and her audition tape is laughably bad because she can't stop smiling during violent news. She's sort of like, a tornado kills eight people! Logan (laughs) catches wind that the tape is bad and asks Tom to give Carrie the axe. Tom bestows that honor onto Cousin Greg. Cousin Greg delivers the news in his stumbling Greg way, and Carrie goes full Lady Pol Pot on him, saying that she'll take him apart like human string cheese. Ooh. Meanwhile, Shiv finds out that Tom has already contacted all the major shark lawyers, so they're conflicted out. She knows this is all a part of her dad's evil machinations, which inspires the real focal point of the episode, which is about yet another board vote. Stewie and Sandy want the kids to vote against the current Gojo deal, forcing Logan to grovel for more money from Madsen. Uh, Shiv wants to fuck her dad, but the boys want to go ahead, but never mind, because today is Connor's rehearsal dinner. Uh, they arrive at the rehearsal dinner, finding Willa leaving her own rehearsal dinner. So Connor guilts the siblings into getting a drink at a real American bar where there are chicken wings, and then guilts them into doing karaoke. And that's when this <laughs> podcaster realized that she is the Connor of everyone's life, because I'm always guilting people into doing <laughs> karaoke. It Nikki, is my you, thing. Have, you have gotten me to do more karaoke than any <laughs> friend I have in my life. That is true. And it's a, it is a, I wear that badge with honor. As you Um, should. (laughs) The pinnacle scene of the episode happens at a private karaoke room in what I think is Koreatown when Logan Roy shows up to talk about feelings and finance with his kids. None of it works. Everyone is dissatisfied. But alas, 
Connor arrives back at his apartment to find Will there. Maybe she will marry him after all. And in the final, final scene of the show, Roman is seen going to Logan's apartment. Uh, Logan is on a Roman poaching expedition, luring him to the dark side by saying such things as, I need you. Um, Yes, such a, ooh, that hit me right in the fucking loins and the the loins of my heart. What? (laughs) (laughs) It didn't really hit me in the loins, folks. It hit me in the heart. Um, Here's my question. Uh, So... Let's first talk about Carrie's anchor ambitions, um, because Logan clearly doesn't want to give her a job, but he doesn't want it to be his fault. Um, Do you think Logan's scared of Carrie? That's a great question. I don't think Logan is scared of Carrie, but I think he is angling for all the ways he can find to give her as much as she wants that works for him, so she'll stay, right? I was thinking a lot about Marsha, his first wife, that we're aware of, not his first wife for the character. Yeah. Um, You know, he wanted her on documents that it didn't seem like she belonged on. He wanted her to have a seat at the table someday, which didn't really make sense. This is a pattern for him with whoever he's fucking, right? He sort of brings them in in whatever way he can. I texted you this week and said I have a new exciting theory about how this whole show is going to end. And first of all, Carrie is the first voice we hear this episode. And I was thinking as I was watching, you know, this connects to my new theory, which I'm not sure is right, which is that the show is called Succession. Maybe the real succession here is Carrie's pregnancy. Ooh. Is Logan proving both his virility and his immortality by overstepping his current children with new ones that he will sire with this woman. Um, It's just a theory, but the fact that she has become such a central character so quickly kind of supports it for me. I think he's scared of her leaving, but not of her person, if that makes sense. You know, he needs the fucking company. Who's left? What do you think? You know, that's... So this is an interesting theory, and I want to say that Sumner Redstone... Uh, famously had, I want to say, two girlfriends who almost ended up like actually taking over the board, right, of Viacom and really caused a lot of trouble. Uh, There was a lot, you know, um, uh, uh, Sherry Redstone, his daughter, ended up sort of like like having to sue or like claim that his dad wasn't in his right mind and these women were making all the decisions and they really were. And I mean, they ended up, those two women with a lot. Um, Of course. And uh, and so it and and at that point in his life, Summer Redstone was like generally incapacitated. He had sort of lost um, full speech abilities. So it was, uh, so there's a girlfriend trope in the billionaire class. And I'm wondering from your own experience if you've seen bi- girlfriends or se- or second or third or fourth wives like swoop in in certain ways that kind of support your theory. Oh, not only wives, but husbands. Right. This oh, works. I, yes. This works both. both ways depending on, you know, who's holding the money. Um, right. I've, I've definitely seen this dynamic. And the reason why I think it makes so much sense in wealth culture, which also speaks to another component of this episode, is for these people – there's no such thing as business and selfhood being different. There's no gap between my personal life and my business life. So if you're in my world that I've concocted as my mirror image, because these mostly men concoct these empires that are their mirror image, 
the only way it makes sense to me, intimacy of any kind, it's not going to be through human deep connection. It's by bringing you through the, the portals I understand. And I understand the world I've created. And that world is business, right? So it makes a lot of emotional sense, even though it totally wreaks havoc in certain instances, because these um, individuals are not prepared. Um, as we saw with Carrie's performance, when we got to enjoy that footage, along with the rest of the uh, characters of her trying to be an anchor. Now, Carrie's goal, goals, that's an interesting question. What do you think she's aiming for ultimately? My guess is it's not just being able to say the nightly news on TV. Are you, well, also, are you saying she doesn't love that dick? I mean, <laughs> she doesn't love having sex with an 83-year-old, you think? Is that... <laughs> You know, I'd love she to ask her. She doesn't love the scintillating and warm company of Logan Roy. <laughs> well, listen, you know, even though honestly just thinking about it makes me want to vom a little bit. Um, <laughs> there is something to be said, I think. It's not my personal preference, but there's something, a pattern that you sometimes see, which is when virility and sort of severe masculinity are combined with power and wealth, um, seeming, you know, when someone's on the top of the power pyramid. A lot of people find that so beguiling that it kind of translates to that sweet D. It's not for me. <laughs> but 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 in, in Carrie's defense is a big word, but, but to see to see from to see from Carrie's perspective for a moment, you know, we saw a masterful performance at the center of this episode where Logan gives this legendary speech standing on boxes on the floor. He's exuding lion energy. Yeah. I mean, you know, that is the moment when if there is a moment in this episode where you can say, Oh, I kind of get it for Carrie. Like, it's weird, but I kind of get it. It's, it might be yeah. seeing him on top of those boxes rallying the troops. He's a general. She right. likes it. Yeah, right. He he is a, a fascistic general, uh, yes. which I guess is a, is a fetish for some. Um, I... <laughs> <laughs> and I, we can't kink shame. Not right, on this podcast. No, 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 not, not on this podcast, folks. Not at all. Um, no, I want to say the funny thing about that moment. So he goes into the office and he's just really weirdly like walking through doing a, a, an office walkabout. And he's like staring at people's screens, like counting the minutes it takes them to write an email. It is like, oh I would God. be, first of all, if someone's staring at me type, I cannot type. So that there's that. It like, I can't, <laughs> my fingers immediately just go limp in their hot dogs. I can't do it. But um, he, so he's, so he's doing this terrifying thing. Obviously everyone is going to suck in his presence and they do. By and, design, of course. And, and the other thing is though, it feels like, an old dude trying to like remind everyone that he's got power as opposed to implicitly just having power. He's sort of there like reminding everyone guys, do you just in case you forgot, like, do you remember like I'm still the most powerful man? And it's like oddly sad to me. It was like a, a anti the thing. It wouldn't, it wouldn't give me a boner at all. Well, first of all, Nagin, I I only respect you more after knowing that. But and who knew that was possible? But 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 also, you know, 
there, I agree that it, it combines this kind of lion, leadership, frightening, kind yeah. of fascistic energy with a really sad core. But I would the only shift I would make a little bit is I think the sadness of that is much less about reminding everyone else. He's clearly reminding himself. Himself, yeah. You know, he's about to sell the company ostensibly. We'll get to it. But the idea in this scene is that he's about to sell the company. This ATN is going to be his smaller fiefdom that he really right, gets to control. Right. And so, like, I think that speaks you know, his kids aren't there to remind him that he has power over them. It's really helpful to look over a crowd who are cheering your name to kind of as a gentle reminder to self that you are, in fact, the king of the universe. I think that's the sadness of the scene for me. And I also love that that Logan's idea of like, in my retirement, I'm going to open a little antique shop. His idea of that <laughs> is I'm going to run a terrifying news network that will control America. The Logan antique shop. Sign me up now. I want to know what's in it. I'll buy anything there. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, more succession. I am the type of person that has subscribed to things. And I have forgotten about those things. I have paid twice for a children's educational app. And I didn't know that I was paying twice for several months. Until that is, I discovered Rocket Money. And because I use Rocket Money, it just showed up all these things. The thing that I was paying twice for that made me incredibly angry. Thank God Rocket Money ended that for me. It also cancels the subscription for you. So you don't have to like go through the hassle of going to that site and figuring out how to cancel. They actually make canceling very difficult. I don't know if any of you have had the experience, but I have been on a like a roundabout eight exit nightmare trying to unsubscribe to something before. Rocket money eliminates that hassle. It also alerts you to an increase in subscription price. And this is something Rocket Money did for me. It negotiates a lower price for something you already subscribe to. So like for my cable bill, it got me a lower price. And I was very happy about that. Nearly 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about, which makes me feel better because I'm one of them. But it makes me feel terrible because what are we doing? Losing that money. Uh, I don't want to waste that money. And I know you don't want to waste that money. If you struggle with these kinds of purchases, if you struggle with finances in general, Rocket Money will help you with the budgeting, help you track your expenses, help you, like I said, cancel those unwanted subscription. It's a personal finance app that finds and cancels unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps you lower your bills so you can get back to saving. I mean, me and my husband have been on the warpath and Rocket Money has been a really big part of that. It has over 5 million users with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. The average member has saved up to $740 a year using the app's features, which is, I mean, that tracks for me. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions. Go to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Save the money at rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E 
Byte.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And we are back. Um, all right, let us talk about the just the pinnacle scene of the of the episode, the Logan apology in the care in the private karaoke room. Um, by the way, this is a nicer karaoke room than the ones I have subjected you to. Uh, so apologies that I, I, I could have found something that just was more 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 suitable for your refined tastes. I I, listen, I, I I can't disagree. The karaoke rooms we've been in are not as nice as that one, but mm. but you're, but it actually speaks to like something I loved in terms of the design of this episode, yeah. like the writers, which is. This is kind of a, a newer, gentler version of the big fight conversation we ended last season with, right? Where basically the conversation is, do you love us enough to include us in business stuff in a way that benefits us? This is a version of that conversation. Yeah. But that last conversation, which was on Logan's turf with Logan winning, we saw- And an with, ex- with like Jerry, Carl, and Frank. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That conversation takes place in a in a set they chose that's basically like a castle that Charlemagne built or something, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. You know, we're, we're looking at like it could be a smaller room in the Vatican for that conversation. When the kids are setting the terms, when the kids are in charge of the dynamic- <laughs> right. Guess where we are? A shitty karaoke room in Midtown. Right. You know, when Logan says in this fight, you are unserious people, I was so struck by the fact that visually, in terms of the context of the scene, we already know that's right because we're having this conversation in a fucking karaoke room. Yeah. (laughs) Right? It's a brilliant way to sort of underline that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, well, there's it's interesting because... They're unserious people, but just before this scene, Logan is heard saying they have some juice here. They have some fucking juice because on a business level, he kind of maybe knows that they're right, that he could probably exact a little more money out of Madsen in this deal. That's the whole thing is like that he could exact more money and the kids Now, the kids, I think, want two things. They want more money always because that's what everyone in everywhere in the world is designed to want to want. Um, And they want to fuck over their dad or just make life a little bit more difficult for their dad. And that the, so because I think the 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 first moment, the first indication of we got that this is fully dad focused is Shiv gets news about the lawyers. She's looking for a divorce lawyer and she can't find one because Tom has contacted all of them, which conflicts them out. Right. Which, by the way, is really frustrating. I think of I, it, it's, I find that very frustrating. It's a thing I didn't know about until watching Succession. And it, it's so we, evil. We also, we also see it in Marriage Story, that beautiful film. Oh, Same thing. This is a, okay. this is a, it's this a is real a tactic. Yeah. A real tactic. Yep. Okay. Um, and... So so she she knows that that because it's because Logan Roy gives him advice on how to do it. So immediately she calls Sandy and is like played by Hope Davis and is like, uh, hey, that idea you had about us, you know, voting against this, the the outlines of this merger and asking for more. I like that idea, you know. So it was just sort of like. <laughs> I was too hasty before. I was being hasty. Uh, you, you know, I agree with half of what you said, Nagin. I totally think these kids want to fuck over dad. 
I actually don't know that this is even a money call because from a financial perspective, Shiv, I think, is making very dangerous, unwise decisions here. They're supposed to close this deal of buying Pierce in two days. Right. It, she's now made a choice to extend these machinations, which she knows are never done you know, Super risky. simply or easy. Right. Yeah. She knows this is tremendous risk. I think part of the argument this episode is making, in my view, about how unserious these people are, is that it matters more to her to upset her father and force conflict than it does to go through with a deal that will actually give her the financial platform she needs to ostensibly create her own thing with her siblings. She'd rather fight with dad. I mean, that's, I'm not even sure that's about more money. I think the more money is really a smokescreen here for what they really want to do, which is make Logan mad in a way that forces them into conflict and connection. You know, I always think of this great joke from Kroll Show when I'm watching Succession, which is one of the, one of the there's, a, there's a character who says, Dad, all I want to do is murder you in a way that makes you proud of me. And that's what these kids want, right? They want right. to be deeply enmeshed in a way where they can destroy him, but somehow he still is proud of them for it. It will never happen, but that's really the goal. Well, I mean, it's what's, uh, but it's in, so I don't mean to, I feel like I'm a siblings apologist, um, but I mm. have more, first of all, in terms of whether or not they're serious people, I can't believe I'm going to do this, but resume wise, Mm. I feel Kendall put in the time and I because I rewatched episode (laughs) one I remember Kendall lived in like Shanghai for a year running the international operation Mm -hmm. Kendall like put in time in LA doing whatever at studios Kendall like actually he was actually thoroughly groomed he just happens to be a drug addict as well so I feel like it was I it's sort of a little unfair. Like, and also Shiv had a whole real career in politics. It was on her own terms and it was with other people hiring her, right? She had her own politics. She was, she's liberal ostensibly. So I feel, I mean, the Roman is the one I think that is probably like the least credentialed. Well, it depends. You know, it's an interesting argument to have because it depends what we're sort of how we're defining seriousness and what Logan right, means by that. Right, right. You know, I think you're right. Like, there's some credentials here for sure. That's often the case in wealthy families, right? Because there's all the money to pay for education. Yeah, that, that yeah. happens a lot. Um, maybe they could do it. It, you know, in a but they're in a not doing it. I under, yeah, but but the way they're actually going about it is entirely based on emotional retribution. That's not a serious starting place for professional negotiation. Well, Matt Madsen calls Kendall right. and says, you better not ask for more money because I will walk away, which again is a tactic. Mm-hmm. I mean, that made me feel like Kendall was reacting to that tactic. Like, oh, he's specifically telling me not to do this thing? That must mean that there's more money. Like that is kind of my, you know, my reading. Because Ken, oh, Kendall that's, that, feels that's interesting. Kendall feels a touch more zen about everything right now. Not to say he's like fully healed. Obviously, never. <laughs> he will never be fully healed. Right. But he is, you know, uh, a Buddha wearing the Tom Fords. In this right. episode, and, he's just like a and, little and, bit and more in relaxed. His, in fairness, he's coming off of zero days of rehab. Uh-oh. Right, like, like the man has never—he's he, never gone to a day of rehab. Like, he's a—I think he's a very unhealed, 
Unhealed. person. Unhealed. <laughs> but, um, you know, zero days of rehab traditionally is not enough. But but what I would say about that phone call is I actually read it differently. I'm fascinated by your take, Nagin, because I saw his reaction as, oh, as much as this deal benefits me, if this guy pulls out, that means that Logan's entire future is fucked. Falls apart. And that is what matters to me. Because I already have a gazillion dollars, right? You'll note that like the theme throughout the series, we've seen it in every um, every season, is this idea of people referencing whether or not something is a game. The first ever episode has a really seismic, difficult kind of game scene that we see where they're all playing baseball. Logan often says to his kids, you're, you, you're playing with toy soldiers. You f- it feels like you're playing a game. This episode for me, you know, I've definitely been angry with Logan. I still am. He's a horrible person, father and political figure. But I do get that perception because I think Logan is much more driven in that moment by revenge than he is by the bottom line. Right. Interesting. I it's it's an, I guess this is my question a little bit too about money because we've seen throughout the series and and this I I really want your your lens on where where rich people are with gazillions of dollars because for example there was an there was a scene in I don't remember which episode where Conrad spends too much money on the Broadway show for Willa and he's like needs a a, a cool hundred mil to just cover all of his costs and he right. asks his dad for money and I'm all, I was like is he like looking at his when I that what I used to do when I was 25 and looking at my bank account and it's like I'm down to like three dollars and 24 cents is like that what the level like when you're going to ask and ask for a hundred million dollars like literally how much money do you have left I was just so I'm so confused about what they have my understanding is if this deal doesn't go through they will still be rich for the rest of their lives and their children's lives but that's that that's entirely correct. And this is a fabulous question that I think there's a lot of confusion around. When I'm it comes so to confused. This. Yes. I would yeah. love some intel on this issue. Right. Because what I'm about to tell you is both true and makes no sense. And here it is. You know, for people in the 1%, there's an assumption that once you reach that level, you know you're in the 1%. You academically and rationally know that. The idea of needing more just goes away. Because you're so, you're not only satiated, you're satiated beyond satiation, right? Yeah. You could do anything. That's And the perception is once that's the case, you know, accruing is no longer your concern. Unfortunately, psychologically, the opposite is true. We find that the more people accrue money, the more concerned they are with keeping it and expanding it. It's just the way it works, unfortunately, emotionally. So when that guy is saying, and and I really loved that scene because I've heard moments, smaller amounts, but I've heard moments like that. It's like, hey, mom or dad, like I've I've known people who've made this phone call. You know, I just need one to two million to sort of tide me over this patch, right? What that person is is saying is not, I'm at zero in my bank account. They're saying that's the amount of money that I need to feel safe. Right. Because of my financial context, it has nothing to do with their with actual, actual safety. It has nothing, nothing to do with actual no. safety. Nothing it's to about do with the their feeling needs. of safety. Right, right, right. right. It, it's about, you know, in the same way that like a normal human person looks at their checking account and it's lower than usual and they have feelings about that bizarrely and unfairly, but truthfully, wealthy people are the same. 
listen, I struggle from some of this in a way that's very embarrassing. I've talked about it extensively in therapy, where like if something's below a certain level, I think, oh gosh, and I start to think in a scarcity kind of context. Yeah. And, and then I push myself, because I go to therapy with a great therapist, thank you, Natalie, I push myself to then say, this is insane. But if you're not doing that emotional work, the combination of sort of how humans function plus capitalism it's very easy, even for multimillionaires, multi-billionaires, to think, well, I can't get below X because right. then I won't I won't have what I need. It's a lie, but it's a version, a very dramatic version of the lie we tell ourselves often about how much is enough. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's weird, but it makes yes. sense. <laughs> um, and, and, and offensive, especially when you know that guy is buying Napoleon's penis. Exa- on, exactly. Exactly. For fun. Well, okay, so I wanted to talk about the apology part of the karaoke room. Logan ostensibly comes here to apologize to his children. He says, I don't really apologize, but if that's what you need, sorry. Like, and it was the least... Oh, you know, it was the least satisfying sorry that anyone's ever heard. And then and then Roman is like, but like, Dad, what are you sorry for? You know, and he's like, well, the, the helicopter from this morning. And it's like, <laughs> no, dude, it's not this morning's thing. Maybe is it a lot? You know, Kendall like starts to list everything from a lifetime of like uh, parental damage. Um, uh, and do you notice how in that moment, Connor and Roman do what? They defend their father's actions. Yeah, they all. I, I mean, those two um, are always on the defense, especially Connor. I mean, Connor is a really interesting figure in all of this. Yes, he, because he's not exactly involved, um, and, but he does make the point to the kids, like you guys, you've been wanting an apology, and he's trying. It's like something approaching an apology. Let him try to approach it. I disagree with Connor. Okay. The reason why Logan comes to that karaoke room is because he wants the deal. Money. He wants money. He wants money and he wants the deal and he wants the public satisfaction of having made the deal because he wants to control the world. You know, we've in that room at the end of last season, right, where they're having that sort of very big fight scene that ends the season. You know, we see that Logan means business and he really wants this deal. So here we are. And in that room, too, he started off with sugar. Oh, Roman, you're so wonderful. Come on, let's do this together. When that didn't work, he shifted to rage. We see a kind of lower volume version of the same here. I agree with the kids, the other kids. I don't think Logan is apologizing for shit. I don't think he cares. But I think he knows that's one potential tactic to get these kids to vote the way that he wants them to. That is the only outcome he cares about in my in my estimation. And I, and I thought also what was interesting was Carrie was obviously in the room, of course, and she's also trying to kind of be a mediator in the room. Uh, of course, the kids <laughs> love that. And oh, who wouldn't? Um, oh, my God. And, and they point out to her because they, they point out like, oh, you know, you're going to get your own TV show. Oh, you're not going to get your own TV show. You're going to get fucked a lot. Get used to it. And this led to my favorite line in the episode where Kendall says, to carry, but congrats on losing your betrayal, Cherry. Um, oh. <laughs> Amazing! And the you do this show. so phenomenal, and you do get the feeling that Carrie has a little moment of recognition there, like, oh yeah, this guy will 
literally fuck me and figuratively fuck me. Right. In some ways, it's a worse position than the children because she also has to deal with that old man dick. It's a lot going on for Carrie. Um, You know, what really struck me about her in this scene, I agree, that was one of my favorite lines from the episode. Man, do these people know how to fucking write. It's unbelievable. But like, what really struck me is, do you remember which character says we want to offer to reset the family dynamic? It's right. It's Carrie. It's Carrie, everybody. So to go back to my feeling that this might not be a totally genuine enterprise, I'm not sure having the lady who you sleep with who wants to be an anchor and is bad at it, who your children already resent, making that statement for you is really going to lead us to a genuine conclusion about your intentions. I don't think so. Right. (laughs) Uh, I think, listen, I think a really big interesting question for this season is, How much does Carrie understand what she's in for? How much clarity does she have about who she's dealing with? Now, she seems rather shark-like in that conversation with Greg. So this is not a lady who is uh, easily, uh, let's say, swept aside. No. But... But what we don't know, because there's a lot that's opaque about this character, and it's it's exciting from a narrative perspective to start to get to know her, is how open her eyes really are. That's one of the questions we're going to hopefully answer this season. It's in, and like, what, if she wants to be on TV, that's where Carrie started to lose me. I mm. thought she was maybe just a little bit more of a mastermind kind of working the scene, uh, and but to but to see her audition tape and the poofy hair, can we just for a moment? Her hair was about three inches into the sky above her head, and uh, wow, the look, well, the Fox News look—it was perfection. Uh, it, perfection. Can we just quickly like make a quick, very fast list of the looks that this episode nailed? Let's talk about corporate lighting. Nailed it. Let's yeah. talk about karaoke lighting and feeling. Nailed, nailed it. it. Let's talk about the women of Fox News. We know historically they were not allowed by the corporation to wear pants. Right. And they had to appear as sort of like fembots. There she is. <laughs> there the she Carrie is. Fembot. They, you know, they... It just understands what these rooms feel and look like this show in such a singular way, including her appearance. And I agree. I was a little surprised at what low-hanging fruit right. that felt like, like to, to me. Just to be so bad at the t- uh, in the audition tape indicated to me that she's not that much of a self-aware player. Probably you know? true. I wonder if her sort of trajectory for herself as a character within her fantasy mind was becoming kind of like a, um, I don't know, who's like a big lady at Fox, you know, like a Janine Pirro or like, you know, becoming right. like a, a conservative voice in the country. And you for that, you would have to start with sort of like, I'm just at the desk telling the news, but you can't start that way. No, yeah, no. Yeah. So, so then it. you're sort of like, where? what do you offer besides just you're beautiful? Like, I mean, what, you know, it felt, that's where I was like, oh, not that she's a dumb dumb, but like uh, there's a there there is a dumb dumb element. Um, there's definitely some, as we say on Drag Race, there's some drag deception here. Um, Carrie's a little bit, you know, she has some deception about sort of some derangement about what she's capable of. Yes, see, but yes. at the same time, I would not count her out. She's tough. Yeah, I think. She's, I mean, it, when she said the line about you know, I'm gonna shred, I'm gonna, uh, what does she say? I have it here. I'm gonna uh, take him it? apart. I'm gonna take you apart like human. Strength string cheese. Yeah. Uh, When she's, I mean, I was legitimately terrified of her in that scene. So she does 
she knows how to employ a, a certain kind of terror with, especially with people like Cousin Greg, who she definitely perceives as below her status, you know? Absolutely. And I think, on, you know, we saw two lines in this episode that where people really went for somebody with specificity. One was the line you just said, and the other one is when Roman is on the tarmac and his daddy has taken away their private plane ride to the wedding. And he says to a random woman who's a staff member. Yeah, Jess. Um, I, I'm going to take several hundred thousand dollars oh, and I'm going to I'm going to commit them to ruining your life. So we see these two moments where a character is using one sentence to event to ostensibly like really terrify the person across from them. But Roman's not going to do that. He's going to forget it happened tomorrow. Yeah. Because he's an unserious person. Whereas Carrie will not forget. I actually put yeah, I actually put myself in the shoes of the of the random woman that that Roman was yelling at. Me and too. I and cuz and I would be rattled and jolted by someone yelling at me like that for like 2 days and like, minimum but, 2 weeks. And and I would have to keep telling myself over and over that guy just does this and actually doesn't mean anything by it. But I would like truly be looking over my shoulder. I would be oh, looking listen. up lawyer names. Oh. I would be... <laughs> Same with me. It's it's literally the most terrifying thing you can imagine from her perspective. Being and, yelled at is like... Oh my God. And also, <laughs> by the way, just as a side note, it speaks to a very true thing in wealth culture. Those kinds of empty seismic threats hurled at people with no power in the system as a kind of is emotional constant. release happens constantly. It's it's horrendous, but yeah. it's, it's a it's definitely true. I I have to say one thing um about Connor. So Connor you know may or may not be getting married. I mean, I think he will. It looks like he just from the based on the scenes from next week, the, yes. the wedding is going to happen. Willa d- does turn out. I do want to say something about Connor, which is that like in in some ways he gave a really devastating speech in the karaoke room. He and he and, and, and and to get he he to get to the karaoke room he he sort of says that he wanted to sing one fucking song at karaoke because he's quote seen it in the movies and nobody ever wants to go and Ugh. and I just that one line made me feel so badly for him he's oddly oddly the most um. I don't know, whole person and the most broken person. I don't even know because he seems he's like running this presidential campaign. He knows it's a sham, but he also is doing it. Um, It's almost admirably doing it. You know what I mean? Like that he's like completing something. I'm not sure. Nikki, I love that you have much more sympathy for these wealthy people. I totally, than I, do. I know. I, God. I like, I, like I'm a sympathy talking, machine. It's a nightmare. No, it's that's that's why I love you. But but in this, but in this in this moment, I have to push back. You know. So from my perspective, the treatment of Connor in this episode, this is what Succession does brilliantly and singularly, which is to give us in one piece of story, one episode, two absolutely contradictory extreme things about one character that we're forced to grapple with. This episode for the first time I felt, and I was relieved that it did this, forced us to start grappling with the truth that Connor has purchased a person. Yes, yes. Connor has purchased a human being yeah. for his long-term enjoyment. Yeah. We can cover that with a lot of pretty language, but that is what has occurred. That is violently dark. Right. No, yes, definitely. Horrible. And, Horrible. And someone with true empathy, capacity for connection, and compassion does not purchase people. 
you heard it here first. It just isn't what happens. So, well, so you know, by the way, he says, he says like this, and this was one of the more devastating lines in the show. He says like, I don't need love. That's like, he says, I quote, I'm a plant that grows on rocks and lives off insects that dies, that die inside of me. I don't need love. It's like a superpower. He was basically saying to the siblings, your problem is that you need love. <laughs> Um, You're more and more right about Connor being the fucking most, um, you know, sometimes I think there should be like a game show is like a spinoff of Succession uh that's called Who Did Daddy Hurt Most? (laughs) There are wheels and bright lights. I have a whole plan for it. But um, but with Connor, talk about a lack of self-awareness. Connor's entire personhood, every choice he makes is about Dad, do you notice that I'm alive? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So the notion, you know, this is a show where it's a really interesting um, example of this episode. You know, these siblings have been taught to work against each other since day one. So what they say to each other about each other and about themselves, it's not always rooted in truth. It's often rooted in how do I win this conversation? Connor wins that conversation seemingly by not being in the drama. Meanwhile, who called Logan to come over to karaoke and told him about the siblings' plans? Connor. So that kind of stance of like, I'm out of it, it's untrue. He's in it, but he's in it in a with the kind of performance of passivity. And I think this episode shows us his loneliness, his really earned misery and sense of isolation. We find out that his mother was institutionalized by Logan. So absolutely, I have sympathy for all of that. And he's purchasing Napoleon, Dixon, and and alive humans. Right. So so it's both. Um, Okay. Well, this is a good um, point to start wrapping up with our sort of minor predictions about um, what this episode is is giving us. Uh, I think the first minor prediction we should make here is whether or not the Gojo deal is happening. Is that and and a lot again? Um, part of this is just sort of like uh, blah blah. Who cares? Fuck you. It's business talk. But mm. the other part of it is they. If the Gojo deal happens, and then they do by and the Pierce Media deal happens, the these two parties could literally start a life separate from each other and that could rehabilitate their relationship. So a lot is riding um, on this deal. Do you think the Gojo deal is happening? Absolutely not anytime soon. If it happens at all, I think it'll be over tortured episodes of a lot of conflict. And the reason why I think it's probably not going to happen, at least in its current iteration, is because of what you said, Nagin. It means some healthy individuation and no one in this context actually has that as a goal. I wanted to bring up last week in, in my predictions, and I and it that there, I think I I predicted like death or something. I don't even remember what I predicted, but I there I do I still think there's like just a straight up someone has to die. Um, it's a little who, bit who, my who do you think it is? Well, the thing is, I mean, I'm thinking back to Breaking Bad, and I I was just like, guys, obviously Brian Cranston has to die. No spoilers. Um, <laughs> but that was my feel. I'm just talking about my feelings. Yeah. And um, and I think in this situation, I'm having the same vibe. Like, Logan has to die. He is the original monster, the OG monster. The OG monster has to die. And that's just kind of my feeling. Now, the other thing I want to, the other the, the elephant that we've forgotten about that's been crouching silently in the corner. <laughs> is, yes. Is that Kendall fucking... 
like accidentally killed a kid and it, it's like i i feel like it hover over hovers over kendall's life and it hovers over Rog- logan and he could use it so I don't know. Is Kendall uh, fucking in an orange jumpsuit at the end of all of this? It's po- it's it's truly possible. Uh, it's a fascinating prediction. I my prediction's a little bit different actually. I think what this episode was sort of queuing us up for is that this season, the first season was really about Kendall's interior struggles. The second season focused a lot on Shiv's interior stuff. I think this is Roman's season. I think we're really going to yeah. watch him be tortured yeah. by his goals versus his, his well, he doesn't really have ethics, but if he had them, you know, we're going to watch him really grapple with who yeah. he sides with in this system. So what I think it's teeing us up for is that um, in this next episode, we're going to see Roman really have to make some tough decisions about whether he's daddy's kid or he's Shiv and Kendall's brother. And we know for Roman, saying no to dad is almost impossible. So I think that's where we're headed. I think this is going to be a Roman heavy narrative coming up. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely think I definitely think you're right, because he is the weak link. Like he can be convinced to do any number of things from any number of people. And uh, that's dangerous. Um, and, and also, yeah, we've been told he was probably the only kid who was physically abused. Right. And that creates a different kind of scar. So I think that his wounds um, function even more deeply and make his decisions more, more difficult than the other siblings. Folks, um, is the Gojo deal dying because there's an actual death? Is uh, Roman the real or or does Roman fuck everybody and somehow take it all? Um, Hit us up with your predictions. Uh, What are they queuing us up for in this episode? And Danielle, before we really close it out here, I want to um, let listeners know that we have a few just surprise guests lined up for the future. Oh, we have, I'm so excited. It's so exciting. We have luminaries from the finance world. Mm. We have luminaries from um, the world of germ- journalism. Yes. We have luminaries from the world of, wait, wait, don't tell me. Mm. Um, just lu- luminaries lined up. Um, I can't say more because scheduling is still underway. <laughs> <laughs> Nailing down dates is always the issue but everyone is so excited because this fan has so many show this sorry this show has so many fans and um and everybody fucking loves to dissect an episode of succession so we are going to bring all of those fantastic people to join us on this ride um danielle where do people find you if they want to keep following everything every wonderful thing that you do well, thanks, Nikeen. Um, I am, as Nikeen mentioned, an artist and a filmmaker, and my website is daniellederschlag.com. You won't spell it correctly, but you'll still find me. And my Instagram handle is at ddurch, which is at D-D-U-R-C-H. Folks, follow this lovely lady. She is a phenom. And um, in, the, in the meantime, we will be back. Uh, like I said, this is, this is your Monday succession bonus. But on Thursday, you will get your regular show. We always have fantastic people lined up um, this week. Uh, um, v. Spehar is going to be joining us on the show again this week from Under the Desk News. It's going to be a really fun episode. And uh, we will be back in your earballs later this week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.